0: I've never met a person who doesn't have a story. So I think we can all be inspired by our own stories, and we can all surround ourselves by people who inspire us with their stories.
1: Welcome to episode four of Causes for Change, a podcast where I talk to nonprofit founders, philanthropists, and others who donate time and talents to charitable causes. On this podcast, we will explore why people give, how we can all be a little more charitable and get to know these incredible people. I'm Tori Lindy, founder of Education Through Travel, a nonprofit dedicated to educating students and teachers around the world. On today's episode, we will be talking with Kami Quinones-Carroll, a member of the Board of Education Through Travel, immigrant to the U.S., and one of my favorite people in the world. I'm really excited for everyone to hear this conversation, and hopefully they will want to move forward with their own cause. Now, let's dive into my conversation with Kami. Well, hello, Cami. Welcome to Causes for Change. Hi, Tori. I'm excited to be here with you. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. How about yourself?
0: I'm good. Just enjoying my Saturday morning.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> um, So, as you know, this is a podcast where we talk to people who have um, donated times and talents to charitable causes, but we also want to explore... Why people give and get to know these people, and so you are one of those people. Um, so, give me the backstory. How did you get to be, you know, where you are today? Okay, so I think I'll start with
0: I. So I'm an immigrant. I moved to the United States when in 2001. I was nine years old, almost ten years old, and I moved from Argentina and my family, I had a very tight-knit family in Argentina, and I spent a lot of time with my aunts and my uncles and cousins and second cousins and cousins twice removed. Um, So it was a big change when my mom and my mom's spouse at the time, and I moved here. And it was, uh, I didn't speak English, and we moved here on a there was a visa waiver at the time with Argentina and the U.S. And so we just had this little card that said we could be here as tourists for uh, six months, I believe it was. It might have been three months. I don't recall. Um, and then we overstayed our time. And we I was an illegal immigrant for from there on until we were able to get um, status. And so I think part of the reason why I'm so passionate about helping people, especially immigrants, and also so passionate about education and what it can do for a person is because of my early experiences with it, you know, with being an immigrant and illegal immigrant and hearing things on the news and, you know, hearing things that happened to my friends, families when they were getting deported, or if somebody, if La Migra, quote-unquote, was coming to their jobs to look for people who were not authorized to be working there. Um, I think having lived in those shoes and having had those fears, I think I can really empathize with with a lot of what what we as illegal immigrants go through. And so I, now that I'm a citizen, I became a citizen in 2017. Um I feel not only the desire, but also the responsibility to help in whatever way that I can.
1: Yeah,, um, that is a really incredible story. and I I know I've always admired you and like your tenacity and your your willingness to help others. Um, just a little backstory on Cami and I, we met at law school as well. And we just became just instant best friends and I've really gotten to know her uh, through that experience. And then we've, you know, done trips together and things like that. And so I really love Cammie. I think she's amazing. And so I made it for the record. I couldn't
0: have made it through law school without Tori's help. So she's the amazing one here. You're
1: very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the listeners, can you go into maybe a little bit more? You said that, you know, you had a, you have an affinity and a passion for education. So like how, how that's played a role in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so
0: the funny thing is I remember the story. I, I loved school growing up. I I adored going to school. I adored my teacher's homework. I was just, let's check things off. Let's get things done. Every time I got a chance to play with friends, I was playing teacher and I was correcting papers and I loved sitting at desks and just like stacking up papers and checking things off. It was, so I had this, just from a young age, I loved school. And I remember my brother was the complete opposite. So my brother, I I didn't mention him earlier as first moving here with us because we he didn't first come with us. He, he immigrated later on because, long backstory, but my parents were divorced and he wanted to stay with my dad. And so um, that was kind of the deal. But he finally did join us about you know eight or nine months later. And um, all I remember about my brother is he, he would do anything to avoid going to school. And I was the opposite, right? And so when we were little kids in Argentina, we lived in this neighborhood that... Um, got really muddy because the there was no asphalt on the roads and so if it rained which it rained often and it would rain a lot then you couldn't really drive cars or walk through it it was it was a disaster right like it would get sort of inundated and and so schools would sometimes just shut down because of that or people just didn't send their kids to school and so my brother whenever it rained like this I would cry and cry and cried please let's just please get me to school. I'll walk, I'll get muddy. Like I'll wear my boots. But my, my brother would fight me (laughs) because (laughs) he just, any chance he didn't, he could get out of going to school was like his favorite day. And sometimes he would make explosion noises, you know, saying the school exploded, Cammy, you know, to kind of make me suffer and, and make me stop wanting to go to school. So I just, yeah, ever since I was little, I loved it. And, and when I moved to the U.S., I have this memory of um, I, I was scared. I was really fearful because I was no dummy and I knew I didn't speak English. And so I thought, well, if I can't understand these people, then I'm not going to do well in school. And so I remember when I first moved in uh, or moved here, I moved to Utah. Um, and Utah is, you know, a very friendly community. And I, I went to a school to get signed up And it was, it was March, March of 2001, which means I had already finished fourth grade in Argentina because school there ends in December. So technically I was supposed to be starting fifth grade in Argentina around this time in March, but instead I I was in the U S and it was March, which is towards the end of the school year. And so they wanted to put me back into the fourth grade and a, I was above that, right? Because I was already, I was already a fourth grade (laughs) grad and and so I just told my mom, well, what's the point of me going back to school to finish off these two months? I don't want to. I don't know these people. And and so the story I want to tell is I we went to Lake Ridge Junior High, and I remember walking in and seeing all these lockers. they were all pink, and there just happened to be like a period change. And so I saw these kids, and they were so big, and I was mortified. I just would do anything to get out of going to that school so I could finally relate with my brother (laughs) and I didn't want to go to school and I begged and begged my mom after that experience even though she tried to explain to me hey this isn't where you're going to school it's for old kids we're going to take you to a school for you know in Spanish it's primaria elementary school and so I said fine but can we wait a few weeks and so for me, I don't remember how much time passed, but um, I got out of going to school, thankfully, for whatever. It was enough for me, but I, it, was, it wasn't it was the full year. So I did end up going back into the fourth grade for probably, you know, a month. Um, I would imagine the month of um, May. I don't know. And so in that month, I met um, some students and my, my school was full of kids who didn't speak Spanish. There was there was another girl whose name was Camila, as that's my name, and she was Brazilian. And so there's Camila and there's Carmelita. And those were my two go-tos because one of them spoke Brazilian. I mean, sorry, <laughs> Portuguese. And one of them, so she was Brazilian. Her parents were from there. She was born in the US. And then the other one spoke Spanish, Carmelita. She's from Mexico. And so they were just they kind of took my hand and walked me through the process, especially Carmelita, I remember, because she spoke Spanish. And she would just teach me, you know, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, this teacher's nice, this person's nice, <laughs> don't mess with this person. Um, and so I, I remember that experience and and how she, she just kind of took me by the hand and guided me through what was probably one of the scariest experiences of my life because I felt so out of place in a place where I was usually the best at it. Right. I was so good at school. I was, this was, this was my domain and I just felt so uncomfortable. And anyway, so as I reflected back on that experience and um, the teachers, you know, there's Mr. Sykes in fifth grade who was, oh uh, gosh, he was such a good, just a loving teacher who really focused on the one. And I remember he kind of, when he, he brought me in. This was in fifth grade, so I finished off fourth grade. I don't remember anything about it, honestly. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I understood much at all. I'm sure I didn't get good grades. I don't. I don't even know if they gave me grades. It was like a month of school. <laughs> but that summer, I uh, watched a lot of Caillou. I watched Arthur. I watched um, what else did I watch? There were three shows that I really loved: um, Dragon Tales. And I picked up a lot of English watching the shows on PBS, kids. And so when I went into fifth grade, Mr. Sykes was there. And Mr. Sykes, he's like the first, the you know, my introduction, my first experience really through elementary school because I got to start the year there and I got to finish the year there. And I think there was really no better teacher to have had for me at that time. He was so like I said just focused on the individual he knew what I needed and you know he things he taught I remember he taught us the alphabet um, in like the NATO phonetic alphabet and so from early on we would go through every day like alpha bravo charlie delta echo and like how amazing is that that I remember I, I barely spoke English but I remember that alphabet because this teacher thought this was important for students to learn. And he had these M&M dispensers, the big ones, um, kind of as like a, like a collection of them. And if you did something good, you know, if you got a right answer, or if, if you shared during show and tell, which he also introduced me to, um, you could go up and shake the little M&M and get your handful of m and And so he introduced me to M&Ms. Um, And I just I remember a lot of little things from his classroom. And I mean, he I haven't spoken to him since I actually looked him up recently, and I couldn't find um, couldn't find anything. But I just, he'll never know the kind of impact he had on me and also the kind of security that he provided for for me for this little kid who was like, just kind of lost. And so I think education, when I think back to that experience, it's like, that's what a teacher does for a kid. And that's what a teacher does for a student. I mean, I continue to have these experiences throughout junior high, throughout high school, um, throughout my undergrad, even in law school, you know, there's always the the Carolina Nunezes, the the Professor Jensens, where they just kind of, they take you in and they, they realize like, hey, this person may be doesn't have the advantage that other students do. And so I'm going to, I'm going to help them out. Um, And I think all those experiences where I'm, I'm, I'm always inspired. There's always, there's always someone to be inspired by um, wherever you go. And so I think I've, now that I feel, I feel like I'm in a position to give back. I finally graduated law school, you know, and I'm working. I finally passed the bar, which yay. (laughs) which was the hardest thing I ever did. I, I failed the California bar the first time, and that was really, really rough. Um, and I, so I think looking back now, I just feel like um, I can – from these experiences that I have built on, I feel like – and I hope that I've been – I mean, I've definitely tried to take the time during the process to give back as well. But as I try to move forward with my life and realize, oh, I have a lot of free time now that I didn't have all of this time while I was in school. Um, there are certain causes that I'm really passionate about, and it's and it's because those I've had such um, intimate experiences with, experiences with them, you know, like education, um, immigrants, immigration, and so that's what motivates me to focus my time and energy on those and. And that's why I'm happy to join Tori on this you know, podcast and in this effort to, to bring forward this mission of, um, of educating those around us, whether it be by you know, going to school, providing, providing help in the education field, but also
1: through cultural experiences and travel. These experiences that you've had are very unique and have shaped who you are. I just love hearing about them, so thank you so much for sharing that so also I have mentioned in my first podcast uh, that Cammy is on my board for education through travel, which is what she was referring to with with working on education with me but moving forward so you you know you got through elementary school you know high school that time and then you decided to continue your education with with college right mm-hmm um, and how was that? So
0: how was the, the college experience? Or yeah. How did I decide that? Both. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like I said, I, so I loved school. And something that I think I, up until law school, <laughs> I, I felt I was really good at school. And I... In fact, I remember thinking, well, what happens after school, right? Like you finish school and then and then, what are you good at? <laughs> um, which I quickly learned in law school that, uh, you know, it, I, I wasn't getting the 4Os. I wasn't getting the A's. And, and part of that was, you know, my circumstantial experiences at the time. I just, I didn't have the bandwidth to be putting in all of the time and effort that I was used to putting in into school. And part of that was just, I was up against people who were, you know, I don't, I need to say smarter because I think intelligence is measured in different ways, but they just, they just knew how to do it better than I did. And, and I think I was, it got, it got really hard for me because a lot of my value came from, Hey, I'm really good at this and I'm going to get these A's. I'm going to get the hundred percent, the 98%, the four O, and I think in law school is where I finally learned. Um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I, th- I think in law school is where I finally learned that the culmination of learning isn't, isn't the hundred percent on your final. It's not the four It's, it's what you do with what you learned. It's, you know, how do you apply this? Uh, did, did, did this make you a better person? Did you help someone with this? And I think, going to law school, um, the decision was, I had, you know, I had spent a lot of time working with the immigrant community in DC and those surrounding areas. Um, and, and I just, I saw a lot of need, a lot of need for, for someone who spoke Spanish and someone who spoke English and could read and fill out forms, (laughs) um, to, to help these people. And I just thought, you know, there's so much that I can do with the skills that I just have by happenstance, you know, because I moved here and, and I speak English and because I was born in Argentina and I speak Spanish. And so I think that was what helped me decide I want to go to law school. I wanna be an advocate for 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 my friends, for these people, for for someone like me when I was growing up. And so that's why I decided to go to law school. And then college I think was just kind of a given. I grew up in a community where Um, you just, everyone was applying to college and I, I didn't apply to, I didn't shoot very high. Um, and I think that that's definitely one of my regrets looking back. I think, you know, I, I think I had the grades and I had the experience that to go to at least apply to a lot of places. Um, but part of it was, I just didn't have this vision, right? Like no one had given me this vision that I could apply to to Harvard, for example, like that just wasn't in the cards for me. I didn't even, I don't think i ever even considered that. I probably didn't even know what Harvard was, honestly. <laughs> um, but I think I did have the right people around me saying, hey, you can get a spot. like you can get school paid for if you go, you know, to this school, to this, you know, UVU, which is just down the street from my house where I grew up in Orem. Um, and you could definitely get into BYU, Brigham University, which is um, where I ended up graduating with my undergrad from and then also going to law school there. Um but I think I th- again going back to my community of educators and community of people who supported me. I think part of what made me make all these decisions would was just my experiences. Experiences seeing how I could be helpful, experiences seeing how people had helped me and and just being surrounded by the right people. I was I was lucky enough to like I said, grew up in this community where, you know, people went on to achieve things. It wasn't just, you're going to stay here, you're going to get a job, uh, wherever you can, it it was very intentional, you're gonna go to school, you're going to follow your dreams. And, and I always believed that I grew up in a home, you know, my mom was a high achiever, and she expected A's for me, uh, which is probably really traumatic when I got my first A (laughs) minus. I do remember that actually um and so I think the people that I was blessed to be surrounded by um that's kind of what helped me propelled me forward to make those decisions and then I guess I kind of spoke a little bit on my experiences I college was kind of a breeze for me I just I liked it I liked school I I liked my friends I liked doing homework I liked the challenge and I, I also didn't feel super challenged um I think that was partially why I thought, "Hey, law school is a good idea," you know, and and I was challenged, <laughs> um, probably more than I wanted to be, but it worked. So, um.
1: well, I know just because I know you, I know that law school. You say it was a challenge, but you still did very well, and you did a lot of other amazing things in law school beyond just the studying and you know focusing on grades you focused on other people you were always out to help others and you you did uh, different like service projects and like getting people to the law school to talk about you know immigration and things like that and so I I think that there is more to it than just the grades <laughs> <laughs> thanks Tor
0: um it's yeah I mean yeah and I think going back to what I said about law school is the place where I learned getting a good grade doesn't mean you're getting a good education or it doesn't mean you're learning. You know, Um, I think, I think so many, there's so many other um, measuring points. And, and I think for me, yeah, I loved getting involved with, with the community around us. One of my favorite things that I did in law school um, was as I mentioned, there's you know Kiff Augustine Adams, Professor Augustine Adams, and Professor Nunez. They they got this group together. Who knows how many years ago now? But to to send down to Dilly, Texas, to work um, in the southern border with at a detention facility for for family for families for mothers and children. And I think that was. I honestly think that was almost too much for me. I mean, we went down there as a group of maybe 10 or 15 of us. I don't remember, but it was a small group. And I think it was really personal to me because, um, it was hard to differentiate the, those children and those moms who were there versus my mom and me. Right. Um, you know, like the only difference between us was really that we came from a country where there was this visa waiver and so we didn't have to have these specific permissions in in place um, to, to be able to get into the country. And so, you know, I talked to to nine year olds about their experiences and a lot of these moms, it was just moms, it's just moms and their children there. And a lot of these stories, like, I, I can't relate, right? And because they're fleeing violence, they're fleeing extreme violence. Um, I could relate to some of them, There was a lot of abuse, and I could relate to that. But the violence that I've, I mean, I heard stories that you just can't unhear. And I remember even coming home, for weeks, I'd wake up having these nightmares and just panicking for these people, and also feeling like, you know, dreaming that I was in these situations. And it's really traumatic. And I think I remember leaving there and wishing that that everyone could just hear at least one or, or two of these stories and and see how that would open up their their worldview and see, you know, how other people live. Because I guarantee that. Most of the people that we interact with, they they maybe see this in movies and, and that's it. And it's, it's just an entertainment show. Um, and a lot of people are very aware of the situation and there's so many people who are trying to help and, and I'm grateful for that. But I think this experience just, if anything, it, well, it made me angry. I remember that. Um, but it inspired me because there's just so much good to be done and there there's so much help to be given. And it almost makes you feel like, I don't know, sometimes when, after that experience, when I came home, I remember I was studying a lot because it was, you know, it was in February and so finals were coming up and I was also getting married that May. Um, So I had a lot on my plate, but um, I just remember almost feeling guilty when I was enjoying myself because of the way these people suffer and, and on U.S. soil, right, like they're still suffering in these detention camps. Um, and so it just feels like, oh, let's get them out. Let's do something to help. Let's let's change. It wasn't enough to help the individual for me. I mean, I wanted to, but I I just think let's reform. Like, why is this happening? Right. There's the, There are these people who need help and we can give it to them. And so why is this process broken? Why are we not doing more? And that's a question that has you know a lot of discussion right now but I I hope to be a part of that um whether in small parts as I have been you know small efforts or bigger efforts one day but I am very impassioned and I I don't know I
1: I think I can help and I want to help and I'm going to keep trying to help yeah I I love how passionate you are about this subject and and while it makes sense it doesn't mean it was a given. And so I think that you've taken, you know, your experiences and and made it into something and and worked towards something is really amazing. Um and you know, you hear stories like that and I I knew quite a few people who did that program, the where they went to the the Dilly Detention Center and I just can't even begin to imagine like how hard that must have been because when you, when you put a face and a person and a story to a problem, it makes it so much more real. Yeah. And I think it can either break a person and make them jaded or it can inspire them to help. And so I think that you are pretty special for wanting to help and like actually doing things to help and in, in putting that effort forth thank you tori i
0: i mean i feel the same way about you you know that um, you're always trying to put your best foot forward and and help those around you um i yeah i i think i'm just i feel very lucky um i think a lot of i don't think i got handed the the best hand, you know, dealt the best hand, but I do think that the stars aligned throughout my path and, and it has taken a lot of people uh, to get me there and you're certainly one of them. And so I think community is so important to, to surround yourself with the right people, um, people who inspire you. You know, my husband inspires me every day. Um, And I think, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm lucky. And I, I have to say that, right? I feel very lucky. And I know I've put forth a big effort, but I, I certainly need to um, yeah,
1: give credit to all those who have held my hand through the process. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. I appreciate it as well. So was there anything else that you wanted to, to share with everyone about your story or about how they can help or about education? No, I think I
0: was actually watching the Michelle Obama becoming movie video that just came out on Netflix, and I've been thinking a lot about her experience and you know her her chance to become, and how she focused on she focuses on stories, and she says, you know, the numbers don't matter. What matters is the story and your story and how. It can, it has, it has made you, and how it can impact other people. And I think everyone. I mean, I've never met a person who doesn't have a story. So I think we can all be inspired by our own stories, and we can all surround ourselves with people who inspire us with their stories. And I, I love that concept, the concept of sharing your story, the concept of building people up through their stories through your story and also encouraging them to discover their story to discover their power you know at one point she talks about your story being your superpower and i i love that i think that's a message that we need to to spread and and so i'm grateful for this opportunity to share my story because i think it's empowering uh to me if if to no one else to me right and and I'm going to take this and I'm going to keep pushing forward
1: to, to help others. Well, I really appreciate your story. And I know that there will be lots of people who listen to this who will be inspired by your story as well. And so I appreciate you sharing that. So just as we wrap up here, if you could just give one piece of advice to someone who wants to start something that helps others or who wants to help in their community, whether it be with immigration or education or, you know, whatever their passion is, what would that advice be oh I think just
0: find the right people find find the people who want to help and stick with them stick with those people because not only will that help them and the cause that you're trying to help but it will help you become a better person and uh yeah your experience what you experience no one can take that away from you and I think that's Kierkegaard who said that. Um, but I've, I mean, yeah, what I've experienced, what I've seen, what I've heard through trying to serve, no one can take that away from
1: me. And, and,
0: I, tr- and I treasure it.
1: Well, awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. And if anyone wants to, you know, contact you about your story or about, you know, the the path to citizenship or immigration or anything like that, where can they contact you
0: um so yeah i you you can email me i'm at caminoki c-a-m-i-n-o-k-y at gmail.com or i'm on linkedin uh, camila quinones i'm also on instagram which is also caminoki is my handle um but yeah i'm i'm always happy to chat and thanks for having me
1: of course thanks so much for coming i really appreciate it all right you take care Tor. Okay, thanks. I am so grateful I got to talk with Cammy and get her insights into how we can all use our stories and connect with the people around us to change the world. And I am so grateful for all of you. If you like my conversation with Cammy today, and if you're inspired to do a little more, please let me know. Tag me on Instagram at causes.for.change. If you know of ways people can help have a cause that you want to share or just want to reach out, please do through Instagram or email me at causesforchangepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps so much so that I can keep sharing a little more brightness.